save big money, and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch Bonnie plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing and check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m., at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. We're getting together to talk about Welcome everybody to Parks and Recollection. As usual, it is it is I is my is I. That's what my mom, the English teacher, would want. It is I, Rob Lowe. Not it is me. It is I. I'm going with that. Uh, it is I, Rob Lowe, otherwise known as Rollo, and the great Alan Yang is with me as usual. What's up, Rollo? By the way, isn't it? It is me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a gra- I'm not a grammarian, is, but I think it it's, me? I think it is. It is me. Anyway, it's in the predicate of the sentence. I don't know. I really don't Look, know. I can tell you one thing. You went to Harvard. I didn't. I'm going with you. I'm changing I, it. I I'm redoing truly, the It is me. It Rob is Lowe. me. It's me. Well, if I mean, who who's better at grammar than Mario? He says, it's me, Mario. So that's that's that's, that's really who we should be listening to. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go right. with Mario here. Yeah, right. For sure. We got a good one today. Another good, good one. one. Very comedy forward. A lot. Uh, by the way, I was halfway through this episode. I was like, there's still more twists. There's a lot of twists in this one, too. Like, just keeps developing. In a story that keeps developing, if I were heard happily. And a story that won't stop developing. Um, yeah, very busy, busy episode in the middle of season three. Shall we get to the details? Let's go. All right. Episode title, Jerry's Painting, written by the legendary Norm Hiscock. We got to talk Norm today. We got to get him on the pod. He's a, he, he just... he. Canadian dude, chill dude, there since season one, co-created Kids in the Hall with those guys, has just been yeah. doing it forever. He, uh, he, he he does that show Space Force with Greg Daniels. Now, anyway, uh, Love Norm, directed by Dean Holland. Of course, we love Dean. has been on the yep. show before. Original air date, April 28th, 2011. The summary of the episode, Chris deals with community uproar over Jerry's new painting, which features a nude Leslie. And Ben tries to help teach Andy and April responsibility after he moves in with them. Nope's notes. The original broadcast ran 10 minutes longer than usual because it followed an extended episode of The Office, which featured the last appearance by lead actor Steve Carell. Rumor has it this Office episode hurt Park's ratings more than they helped. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. We'd have to go back and dive through the numbers. Um, other Nope's notes. First appearance of Mara Marini as Brandy Max, the porn parody version of Leslie. Actor Biff Yeager plays electrician George Williams, 
Biff also portrayed Lieutenant Commander Argyle on Star Trek The Next Generation. And his trading card has a price bubble that mysteriously keeps growing bigger and bigger. Those are deep cut Nope's notes. I love that. Who, yeah. Who's into the... Can I ask who's into the Star Trek Next Generation price price uh, card prices? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I, it, I think it's Schulte. So it's, that is an unbelievable piece of trivia. So Why do you think his... his card is worth more than others. I will get Schultz on. So Schultz used to produce the Greatest Gem podcast, which is a Star Trek podcast, but I, I maybe it's rare or something. Maybe it's like a, uh, I don't know. This, maybe this, it's because he played George Williams. Yeah, an electrician on this show. Um, but uh, by the way, oh wait, we have a correction on the uh, grammar here. Oh yes, but hit me. Traditional grammar rule states, this is from Greg Levine, when a pronoun follows a linking verb, such as is, the pronoun should be in the subject case it's also called the nominative. That means it is correct to say it is I. Uh, There's no way that's true. There's no way that's true. <laughs> Tell it to Mario. He's not saying it's a e. It's a it's a I, Mario. <laughs> it is I. <laughs> it's a it's a I, Mario. Well, it, it is I, Mario. That yeah, doesn't work. I mean, that's I just, that's not. Well, first of all, it's not very on brand for him. It's it is I, Mario. Oh man, we'll see. Hey, we'll see when uh, Pratt voices Mario in the Mario movie, right? Isn't that's he right. doing that? Yes, <laughs> how he is. This, how is this dude Mario and Garfield? I love that's that's range, baby. That's range. <laughs> I know that it was the, the best. I saw Pratt recently. What is it? <laughs> that's the cat that he's in. What is it? What is he into? And what? And Pratt's like, he's into uh, sausages. Is that what? What? No, wait, you're going to get him blown up. You're going to get the Garfield fans after this dude. He has to know that he likes lasagna. You have it's lasagna. To I'm sorry. It's lasagna. It's okay. lasagna. But yes. I was like, but I was like, it's, it's sausage. And Pratt was like, it's lasagna. Oh, he knew. Like, Who knew? Okay. The most, oh, he knew. Okay, good. Oh, okay. He, no, no, no. He was like he deeply offended that okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he hates Mondays and he loves lasagna. And I was like, look, Pratt, I can't keep up with all your iconic... <laughs> Yeah, in your voiceover work, what yeah. do you know? <laughs> hey, man, he's he's the Lego dude. Yeah, I, mean, I love it. I love it. But uh, he, uh, it is funny. I mean, Gar, we, we should do a Garfield podcast as well. He hates Odie. He hates Nermal. He loves mm -hmm. he loves lasagna. <laughs> okay, so good. Um, all right, <laughs> we got a uh, we got. Let's get going on the synopsis. Yep. We can talk grammar and and Garfield and Mario all day, but let's get yeah, into yeah. the synopsis. Yeah. Leslie Nope feels powerless at work because a policy set by Chris Traeger which forbids workplace romances, is preventing her from dating Ben Wyatt. Meanwhile, now that he's staying in Pawnee permanently, Ben decides to move out of the motel where he's been living. Andy Dwyer and April Ludgate offer him a spare room in their house since their previous roommate moved out and left the house to them. Although the two have been living by themselves for only a week, the house is a complete mess with no everyday items like plates or utensils available. Ben decides to teach a reluctant Andy and April how to properly live like adults. So this... Beginning to the story really made me laugh because all due respect to the show, it's we it's a great writing staff. We understand Mike is a great showrunner. It's a good writing staff, but the idea that Ben White, an adult man who is very smart and like is an account like was an accountant and like has a great job and like, decides to move in with these two numbskulls is yes. so funny to me. Like you, yeah. you like that is TV. One that that you have to understand that is one of the just keep them in the world it's just like keep them in the world keep andy and april in the world and like it ends up being really funny by the way i think it makes it all worth it it's a little bit silly he wouldn't do this but you know what this isn't a real documentary we make yes. we have been make this silly choice and then you just kind of live with it in my opinion but it's very well, no, funny oh, 
Listen, I, I'll go you one further. Like I said in the last podcast, I I never bought into the the workplace rule. Thing. Yeah, I just I, never did. I always felt like it was complete phony baloney stakes yes, to keep yes. Leslie and Ben from being together. Which so, but and I had and I had to carry that water for yes, episodes. you had to carry it a lot. And and sometimes I will say this: if you like a show, or maybe even love a show, and you love the characters, you love the comedy, you love the actors, and you love a lot of the jokes. You can get over stuff like that because yep. again, like you're not. Hopefully, you're not looking to this for it to be a, a literal documentary or textbook about what it means to be a low level government employee in in, in you know mid, South Central Indiana or whatever it is. You know, uh, in this case, it's like I went with it. You know, I was like watching this. It's like you know what the comedy with Ben and April Andy was great. It's really funny. Like all that shit was so funny. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's <laughs> I, I really you, enjoy this. You got and the other thing is when you're doing an ensemble, you as you, you alluded to just now is you have to figure out ways to, to com- come up with combinations of people. Well, why would they be together? Well, the classic is, 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 um, Rashida is the nurse. Yes. When they were like, they were like, wait, I'm sorry. We don't want to go to the hospital. What are we, <laughs> one what are of the we most, doing in a hospital? One of the most difficult challenges. Yeah. in the show was, it's already difficult. You know, we, we have 10 characters in the show. And so it's like, okay, this episode, it's Chris, Andy, and Donna, or whatever it is, right? It's like, yeah. why are they together? You know, look, you're making a show. You're making a show. And and so you do the best you can to make it realistic, and TV has changed a little bit. But um, I don't know. It To me, it was so enjoyable, so fast and fun that, that it didn't really bother me. Um, I, what I did enjoy um, was this talking hand that you have at the very beginning of the episode. And it's so funny because... It's a joke that's not a joke. The the, the setup is the surprise. You know, comedy they say something. Comedy is about surprise sometimes. Yes. And in this case, you ha- you set it up as if you have some magic formula about being great at setting people up, and then your answer is so <laughs> obvious. I, like that's the joke, right? What, it's what, it's what, essentially what? like you know I, I'm good at setting people up. What I do, it's something along the along the lines of I look at what people's most admirable qualities are, and then I try to find someone whose qualities are compatible. And I bring them together. Like, so it's just literally like, it's just with the most yeah. logical thing anyone would do, right? It's like, I try to right. find two people that would like each other and bring them together. That's essentially the joke. And so yes. that kind of joke is all just in the delivery. That's literally, that's literally you having to just sell and play it straight, by the way. Like, play it straight. Like, you really and super believe excited. it. Like, exactly. it's like, it's like, I'm going to impart some amazing knowledge exactly. that you never would have thought. Of. That's a great comedy move that I love where, yes. where, where you, where the, the, the pretext is I'm about to bestow insane knowledge that only i can give to you and then it's something that everybody in the world already knows yes it's always a great move <laughs> it's it, it's it's really really funny and it's kind of a tried and true kind of type of joke but this there's a specificity to that and specificity yeah. to the performance that really worked for me um there's also a, a weird thing i want to point out which is this is for the real nerds in there yeah. uh for you guys to know like it <laughs> There's a scene where Ben first talks to Tom in the courtyard that sets up the B story where Ben is like, I need a place to live. Can I live with, you know, how is your place, etc. The scene begins with something that's almost never done in the show, which is a tilt down from the sky. So like, oh, you know, in, in, you never like in this show, there's no establishing shots. Establishing shots, you like, uh, there's very few establishing shots there are, but it's like, you know, wide or something to start the scene. We, we start from the sky. And then we see the cupola of Pawnee City Hall, which is Pasadena City Hall. And then it tilts down in the courtyard to see Ben walk in and, and talk to Tom. What people don't maybe know, people maybe don't know about this, is that courtyard is inside a soundstage. So I guess what we did, I didn't edit this episode, but I guess they tilted down from just the, from just the ceiling and then later replaced it with the sky in post. 
So yeah. this was to sell that the courtyard was actually outdoors. Look at the scene. See if you can see where the seams are. See if you can see because it is not. It is not outdoors. They are inside wonder, a stage. Like, why and why now? Why I, in this I don't particular know. episode? I got, like, did, uh, maybe they had a VFX. Maybe it was like a Rooster's Million like VFX budget thing. They had to, they had to just get rid of some money. But yeah. What do you say, Levine? You look at what do you got there? You got got some answers. Well, you telling the story, Alan, reminded me triggered this memory I have from the room when Dean came in saying he had this idea because he directed this episode had the idea for this shot and like i think i think we can do this and i makes me want to have dean back actually to talk about this and (laughs) we got to because i think he was quite proud of this idea that we could use the set you know our our stage to actually do something that we could not normally not do so he was quite proud of that you know i will say this dean dean as we all know grew and grew and grew as a director and he was probably watching films and watching like things that were more, comp- frankly, more complicated to direct in some ways visually with with effects and all that stuff. And, you know, you often do this when you're shooting a different kind of show that's not a mockumentary. So he probably got excited and like, yeah, why not do it? I- I'm not complaining about the shot. It's just it just was like it was funny to me that. Yeah, this this episode, I mean, he was directing is probably one of the reasons why, but it wasn't like, this is the finale and we're like blowing it out. It was like, no, just kind of a random episode in the middle of the season, like we're going to do this. Anyway, take a look at that and shout out to Dean for coming up with that idea. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is a, 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 a little piece of trivia that, that, that Greg Levine points out. There's a scene at, at 425 where April spits her gum into Andy's mouth and... Uh, this was not scripted, so this must have been something she just did to Pratt on the day, which is honestly quite horrifying. Basically, probably needed an intimacy coordinator to be on set. That's right. <laughs> but no, no, it, it's. Uh, they, I think they were buddies, and it was all all good. But uh, it looks like she's about to break immediately afterwards, and she does not. So, um, you know, that's just another thing. That's one of the the hazards and joys of working with Aubrey <laughs> is you might get gum spit in your mouth. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, shout out to a couple of these rules for living with them. I thought these were really funny. Um, we'll, we'll rifle through them quickly. No front door use, must crawl in the back window. No personal phone conversations. If you speak to April in Spanish, you must use the formal usted. You can't use electricity after 6 p.m. If you watch a sad movie, you have to wear mascara so we see if you cry. No noise allowed on Mondays and no TV after breakfast. But this whole scene was really fun to me because Pratt is like, we, 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 leave, we leave TV on all the time. You know, when we leave the house, we leave it on. So it, uh, it, it seems like we're home when we're not. It's an idea I'm trying to patent, he says. But yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, honestly, this B story, we'll get into it more, but I thought it was gold. I thought it was really, really funny. Uh, we'll continue on the synopsis. Meanwhile, the park's employees attend an art show exhibiting paintings that will later be hung in government buildings. Jerry displays his painting of the fictional topless centaur Greek goddess Diaphana, which looks exactly like Leslie. Jerry explains he subconsciously painted Leslie while thinking about powerful women. Instead of being embarrassed, Leslie feels empowered by the painting. Tom, however, is humiliated because a pot-bellied cherub in the painting shares his likeness. The next day, local conservative activist Marsha Langman, played by Darlene Hunt, compares the painting to bestiality, deems it unsuitable for a government setting, and demands it be destroyed. I loved this this whole bit. I loved it. I loved the painting. The picture, Tom's little cherub is so funny it just it it was one of those things that just shooting it i could just stare at the painting of him as this cherub and laugh it was absolutely genius it's very funny i like feel like this was kind of a breakthrough moment in the writer's room and it was like once the painting idea was pitched it was like uh, people building and building and building yeah. um i also want to uh point out a little easter egg of uh 
look at the deer in the lower right hand corner of the painting because its face is very fucked up. It looks like it looks like it's like a, a a wolf or a dog or a bear in addition to being a deer. Anyway, kudos to the props department. They have to do a lot of shit to to get stuff like that together. In fact, they had to make two paintings. Spoiler alert! But uh, <laughs> it's the deer is messed up in the face. Just just take a look at it. It it, it looks like a very strange uh, very strange hybrid animal. I, and I also I also like how. Leslie is the goddess is like that Jerry and that Jerry painted like it's it's like sort of like creepy and weird. Makes there's a lot there's a lot going on psychologically with the old Jer Bear, huh? Oh, it's yeah. like uh, <laughs> well, you know, he, it's established he likes his blondes. You know, look that's at Christy true, Brinkley. man. That's true. I mean, it's really uh, I I don't love also like it's kind of been established that he's a painter because there's an episode I believe in Go Big or Go Home. He's painting by the lake, and yep. uh, he's painting like a beautiful painting. And I think I think Leslie throws it into the lake. So if you're you know if you're really thinking about it, uh, you know it's been established. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It does come out of nowhere how fast he ends up painting these. But we'll we'll leave that uh, for the future. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten, moldy mascot memorabilia. Often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. Um, yeah, always fun to have Marsha Langman return from the SSFS. She's so good. So funny. So Very brand. funny. She was in the Pawnee Zoo episode when Leslie married the gay penguins. And it's always helpful to have her as a character because she can be an antagonist. Like, pretty clear-cut, uh, uh, you know, proxy for, um, you know, people who don't want to have any fun. People don't want to Stick in the fun. mud, as they stick say. Stick in the mud. Yeah, it was also, like, season one, Leslie was a little bit of a stick in the mud. And later on, we created other sticks in the mud that she could fight against. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a difference between the seasons. Um Greek gods and goddesses, Rob. You got uh, you got any thoughts, Rolla? What uh, on uh, what your favorite uh, Greek gods and goddesses are? I think this is going to be another abstention for me. I don't want to <laughs> offend uh, any of the Greek gods or You're goddesses. You're afraid of offending the other gods. Yes, I, um, I would. I would never, never, ever dare to uh, 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 exalt one over the other. Yes, it's actually. I so is it true? But that- I will say. I will say though, if I had to pick, I would. I pr- it might be Poseidon because I really like that movie they made about him. Well, there you go. Right? Wasn't the so- Poseidon Adventure? Oh, Poseidon! I thought you were talking about a. Uh, uh- Wrath of the Titans or Clash <laughs> of the Titans or you know what was that release the Kraken movie wasn't it was yeah, yeah was that, wasn't uh, that oh god it's, oh it's it's yes uh, what is it it's with Harry Hamlin there's well there's more movies about about Greek gods than you might think Hercules I mean he's a demigod but there's I mean there's a lot of Xena will show up on our show 
Zena shows up on the show. Ron dates her. I don't. I don't think she's. Is she a god? No, she just. I don't know. She's a warrior princess. She's not a god. Yeah. But yeah. but is it true? Do you guys know? I don't know. Like who who does? I think it isn't Zeus appearing in the Thor movies now. There's guy. I think Zeus is showing up. I think it's played by Russell Crowe, maybe. But uh, I, anyway, that sounds about right. That yeah, like that seems about casting. right. Yeah, yeah. same them. Uh, Saw Jeff Goldblum at, at dinner the other day. He was he's in those movies. Anyway, <laughs> little, little little side tangent. Really, truly, he was he was at Motherwolf. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what else we got here? Uh, oh, the, uh, we love Ron's welcome speech at the art show. By the way, the art show is like a you know one of those premises that like okay, we need another venue for like what do they do in the Parks and Rec department? It was an eternal struggle, and the writers were like, what are the other things they do? It's like. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll throw an art show. They'll be like an art exhibition. Um, but I really enjoyed this speech. Uh, the, I'll go through it a little bit. But, you know, Ron just standing up because Leslie makes him do the speech. This room has several paintings in it. Some are big, some are small. People did them and they're here now. I believe that after this is over, they'll be hung in government buildings. Why the government is involved in an art show is beyond me. I also think it's pointless for a human to paint scenes of nature when they could just go outside and stand in it. Anyway, please do not misinterpret the fact that I'm talking right now as genuine interest in art and attempt to discuss it with me further. End of speech. Um, classic. There's like five on-character jokes there. It's amazing. That's it's great. That's a just a genius speech. Really good. And and uh, uh, by the way, we already did an art episode with the camel. <laughs> so there's like another art episode. So we had to like get your other round of art jokes in. But anyway, um, I also like your uh, talking head, uh, Chris. Not enough talking head. Um, where you're open. We want to establish that you were not a stick in the mud or a prude. And so we, w- I think we did that by going beyond and saying like. I'm not opposed to new, like nudity in art. Like I've posed nude. I performed a nude production of Cats, which is really a wild, a wild cap to that joke. It's like you have. <laughs> it's such that I love that moment. I really wish if we could go back and do any of Parks that we would just at least do a flashback of Chris Traeger as as a nude Mr. Mistopheles. I was going to say Mr. Mistopheles was my pick as well. <laughs> yes. Come Who on. played Mr. Mistopheles in the new Cats movie? I, all I can remember is, is James Corden. Yeah, I <laughs> but, think it might be James Corden. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was not nude. <laughs> he was not nude. <laughs> all right, let's continue on. Leslie goes on the news program. You heard with Perd, one of our favorites, to rouse public support for the painting by portraying it as a depiction of powerful woman. However, she's undermined when reporter Perd Happily also has on adult film actress Brandy Max, who defends the painting by comparing it to pornography. Chris convenes a meeting of the Pawnee Public Arts Commission to rule on whether the painting is acceptable. Despite Leslie's eloquent defense, the commission fears the nudity is offensive and decides to destroy it instead of risking public backlash. Leslie retaliates by stealing the painting. Um, I feel like, it, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, we kind of worked backwards on this one where the idea was she goes on Pert Happily, uh, 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 a porn star appears with her, and then it's like, yeah, we're the same, right? You and me are together on this. Like, this is like we're the same kind of person. But wasn't there an origin of that? Like, someone, someone, God, I can't, I can't remember what that the original story was. But it was someone. It was basically the idea of someone putting their arm around you and and defending you. But then you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not on the same page as this person. Like, that's that's kind of where the origin of the story was. But I'm, I'm blanking on what the original uh, origin of. Because I, I think there was like a real life instance of this or something. I just remember that was kind of the kernel of it. And I remember also the debate over the just, ju- uh, Justice Potter Stewart 
uh, quote about I know pornography when I see it, which, by the way, ends with the, the wildest, maybe the dirtiest joke in Parks and Rec history where where Brandy Mac says, for me, it's when the penis goes in, which is like, I almost feel uncomfortable <laughs> even saying that. Like, I'm just <laughs> quoting the show. This aired on NBC. I, I, that's unbelievably filthy. Like I, I, I didn't write that line. <laughs> I don't know. I, but yeah, she just says it in the show. I was like, God damn, the park's going on, going hard on this. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. There's also, uh, <laughs> so another, uh, Perd, Perd, Perd has a lot of lines in this. Perd has a lot of jokes in this. Yeah. He says, what some would say are human breasts. He also asks, are centaurs real? Which is, <laughs> like, I, I think there's a hidden underbelly of, of Perd where it's like, is he a human being or not? Like, yeah. is he an alien in human clothing? Like, this is, this is very possible. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't put anything past Perd happily. Um, and this is one of the episodes where Leslie actually misbehaves in one of the most... I think egregious ways, right? She steals the painting and then she tricks, uh, she tricks Marsha Langman later. Like it's, I, I kind of like it. I kind of like, yeah. she's on a kind of a run of like misbehaving, which is like, you know, I, you know, as we say, we, we sometimes want to mix it up and have her, have her be bad. Right. How I like, I like when, yeah, and I just love when polar gets to play that kind of mania. Yes. You know, when she gets to play that like devilish sort of, mania is is just a, a great gear she does really she's well she's very mischievous she has an impish quality and she's very likable doing bad things you know yes. it's like it's just very uh it's 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 like she manages to make it likable you want to see her screw up it's kind of fun and and yeah. yeah she has a very winning quality of that so um yeah one of the things and and by the way that's something that you sometimes deal with with the network and studio is they don't want your main character to do bad things Yes. And then the, the old thing is like, they're not likable. They're not likable. Like, make sure we see that they're a good person or they're good well, at their job. You know the job. phrase, right? The phrase is, we, you have to protect the character. Yes, protect the characters. I mean, I bring it up sometimes too, but yeah. But it's, they're not but wrong. It's, it's a balance. It's, you don't want them to be horrible. You, but you, know, you know, I think the writer's sort of answer to that usually is, we don't want the character to be likable. We want them to be compelling. We want them to be interesting. We want them to be complicated. We want them to be psychologically complex and sort of watchable, compulsively watchable, right? It's like, yep. is Tony Soprano likable? It's like, you kind of just, you're intrigued. He's doing weird stuff. You know, it's like, what is he doing? Yep. Yeah, no one's like, Walter White, man, that guy's likable. He's a monster. <laughs> he's, right. he's like, he's not likable enough. What if he, instead of drug, dealing drugs, he's a good teacher? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, anyway, it doesn't come up that often anymore, but sometimes. Uh, let's continue on. Meanwhile, after cleaning up around the house, Ben gives Andy and April money to buy common household items. Although they waste, although they almost waste their money on frivolous items, Andy insists they need to take Ben's advice. April admits she's afraid of growing up because she doesn't want them to lose their unique personalities, but Andy assures her they will not change. Um, I really enjoy these Andy and April jokes when they're eating, uh, turkey chili off of Frisbee's. Was like a, a funny thing that I really enjoyed, and he, and then when they come back, I really enjoy the sequence where, uh, you know, he's like, "Did you buy?" You know, Ben's there, then Andy and April come home, and he's like, "Well, did you buy the stuff that you need?" And then Andy pulls out the marshmallow shooter and fires marshmallows at him for like a minute, and he's like, "Does that answer your question?" And then there's that perfect Adam Scott pause, and he goes, "No." <laughs> he just like does no, it doesn't answer my question. But it's like it's just the it, I don't know. Again, that story got me. I was like, ah, they're going to real Bed Bath and Beyond, like buying stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Relatable, likable. 
relatable relatable <laughs> yeah but there's also the bit where where uh, another just adam bit that i really enjoyed was uh uh he says i have full confidence in you you're going to spend that money you're going to buy the right stuff he they leave and then he has a talking head he's like there's a 30 percent chance they'll both die which is just uh, like <laughs> so a classic like he's just fixated on this fixated on this um you know, we talked about this a little bit. This is a really clean split between A and B story. So, like, sometimes it's really hard. I actually think that's an easier way to write stories because it, it, as opposed to characters are crossing over in yeah. between. Like, that is so difficult. That is so difficult. And, like, this is such a strange, like, this is a own, my own personal tangent in terms of figuring out writing, directing, all that stuff. Like, this happened really early on for me because, like, you don't really have a conception of structure. I think a lot of times, if you're if you're a total novice, and like watching Star Wars or any of those movies, there's a power to cross cutting. There's a power to cutting in between stories, and if you structure it correctly and pace it correctly, you can build momentum by cutting in between stories. Yeah. And sometimes you'll see shows that find their sea legs by figuring out what kind of quantity of story to put in each section of that makes sense and like if you watch the I, I don't know star wars is a weird example but there's like there's sequences where like oh my god it's building because you're cutting between stories which is a little counterintuitive yeah but there's there's just this power to that and you know sometimes it gets complicated sometimes we'll break stories and like ron is in two different stories it's like uh, i don't think it's gonna work like it's you can't do it time-wise first of all but it's also like eh, it's just kind of messy it's kind of muddy and so you know Oftentimes you'll have stories like this, which is the alternative, which is it's a total clean demarcation between the two. And then and then you get in a situation where sometimes one story has too many beats. And then it's like, oh shit, we need we have four A story beats in a row. That also becomes a problem. And that might happen all the way up into the edit room. You might be in the edit room is like, uh, we need a B story beat here, but we don't have one. So that stuff needs to be figured out. Um, but I, I found that stuff to be kind of fun problem solving in some ways. You know, I was looking through the notes just now to remind myself some things, and I saw, Alan, we were talking about that that specifically when we had very clean A and B stories, and they're like, what's Chris going to be doing in this, and what's Ron going to be doing? This were two of the focuses, right? Yeah. And Chris shows up, uh, you know, helpfully, I think, to guide the, uh, you know, the ethics of the story along. And there was, a, for a while, there was going to be a, like a very small run, or perhaps where Ron was going to commission a piece of art from Jerry and <laughs> just to give him something, but then you just watch give, the episode. Yeah. He's very light on run. He has, he has enough of, uh, he has enough. Yeah. Then you watch, it's like, okay, he has enough. And that's the thing. You're also servicing so many characters and so many actors. It's like, so that's part of it too. Uh, okay, so Chris angrily demands Leslie bring the painting to City Hall the next day to be destroyed. When Leslie reluctantly agrees to do so, Jerry expresses disappointment that she would give up so easily. Feeling empowered again, Leslie asks Jerry to quickly paint another similar painting, only this time with Tom as the centaur. Leslie tells Marsha the new painting is the original one, but painted over. With no more nudity in the painting, a frustrated Marsha gives up her quest to have the painting destroyed. Ben later confides to Andy that he likes Leslie, but is unable to ask her out because of Chris. But Andy tells him if they truly care about each other, then it will eventually happen. Um, yeah, man, this is, uh, again, I, I really enjoyed the, the, the B story, the development of Andy April as, as, as fully formed characters. They just, it's cool to see Andy like do something. Again, you have all this comedy from him, but he's like, eh, he's not a total idiot at the end. And he's, you see them kind of mature a tiny bit, right? And that's that's character development, right? We talked about like 
in the writers room, we would talk about the vectors these characters are going on and how they're growing over the course of the season in the series. And one of them was April and Andy kind of maturing a tiny bit. Obviously not changing, but, you know, it's literally kind of, uh, it's kind of alluded to, uh, you know, in the episode. They actually have a conversation about that. It's always a good episode when Andy gets to say a line like, is your penis between the front arms or the back legs regarding the, <laughs> the, the final the painting? The centaur painting, yeah. I, and I also... I love. I also saw it as like commentary of like, oh, you know what? Like, if a guy's topless, it's fine. You can put that in the thing. Like, like looking back on it with a 2022 lens, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, you could change it to a, a male torso, and it's totally fine. But also, yeah, it was pointed out. We were about to uh, talk about this earlier, but Jerry, uh, an extremely fast artist, because he painted that new one in like seconds. <laughs> a little bit of a story flop. You think about it too hard, but uh, maybe he had a. Maybe he was uh, maybe maybe he was had like tracing paper or something. Maybe he was like tracing it over. But it, it kind of <laughs> strains credulity. Um, Leslie and Tom are on the phone at the end with uh, with Gail. It's just funny to imagine that it's Christy Brinkley on the other end because uh, she had not yet been introduced, I believe. So yeah, we um, didn't know who it would be. Didn't, didn't know who it would uh, be. You probably had a lot of different ideas in your head. Didn't know who it would be. Um, final thoughts on the app, Rolo. Um, again, uh, this is one where I wish I had stolen one at least one of the paintings. Yeah. Um, where are those? To have, that would be really fun to have. Where did we, do you know where it is, Greg? I remember reading an interview a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure Amy actually still has the mural, uh, the painting, not the mural, excuse me, of Diaphina. Oh, wow. She should. I got to ask her. Got to ask her. That's the right person to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very funny episode. We're, we're, we're in the pocket here. We're in the pocket. It's 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 Peak Parks. Peak Parks. We're in the, we're in the zone. We're in the zone. Um, very funny episode. Uh, oops moment. The adjusted painting looks similar to Tom, but has six pack abs. That's an oops because as we all know, Aziz in real life has eight pack abs. That's a joke. That's a joke that was written in there. It's not, it's, uh, I assure you, uh, I, I was at a pool party with him yesterday. Uh, he, he does not have, he does not have eight pack abs. Guy oh, likes yeah. to eat. He's, he's, he's a skinny guy, but he got a little bit of a little bit of a belly, a little bit of a belly. Just cleaning up my photos on my phone and came across a photo of Aziz and I sitting in my jacuzzi. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> which by the way, it's just, it, it's such an uh, odd, random, it just but made me, made me smile. It's like just disease and I just chilling in the, in the jacuzzi. It's so funny, man. He always, he always is scared because his dad has a little bit of a belly. His dad's a tiny man, but he's always like, I don't want to get a belly like my dad. <laughs> Cause it's like, you know, it's genetic, you know, it's genetic. So it's like, he's always scared about that. It's like, you know, he's, he's eating a lot. He's eating a lot. So, yeah, yeah. um, all right. Episode MVP, most valuable pawn in. Which character moment in this episode sticks out the most to you mm. and why? This is a tough this is a tough one because a lot of people have really good stuff in this. I know. I'm really torn. I almost I almost want to give it to Jerry because he painted the painting. I was gonna say Jerry but, too. You know, he's he he gets his name in the title. Um he's just kind of and I you know, this one he's just kind of sweet. It's just kind of like he carries a little bit. This is a shout out to Jim. Jim, Jim was a guest on the show. Let's give this one to Jerry. Yep. I'm with you. Jim O'Hare, MVP. All right, listeners, let us know who your MVP was by tweeting Team Coco Podcast or using the hashtag Parks and Recollection. Shall we take a trip to the town hall? Imagine you're at an exclusive party. Across the crowded room, you spot the most stunning man. You spit take your champagne. He keeps approaching, and then he says, Your spray tanning session is now complete. What just happened? You found your escape at Palm Beach Tan. Break from the chaos at a Palm Beach Tan near you and leave rejuvenated. Take time for yourself at Palm Beach Tan and take that feeling with you wherever you go. Get up to $25 off your first month. Featuring Australian gold, hot guy not included. 
for over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Today it's a town howl. Oh, it's a howl. It's today. a howl. You know it's I love howl. those howls. Where where should we howl? I I think we can be topical. Let's do it at the Public Arts Commission. We never do it there. We're gonna no. do it in front of the Public Arts Commissions, and 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 they're gonna. Uh, I like our casting on this too. We're like trying to get kind of artsy looking people, but not really. Yeah. Um, so let's do it in front of the commission and, and see what they think about this town. Howl. Should we play that down, Chelsea? Howl away. Hey, Robin Allen. It's Jarek from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a huge fan of everything on Parks and Rec that's made it to the screen, but I'm particularly fascinated by the stuff that hits the cutting room floor, especially the bloopers and the times when the cast gets a case of the giggles. Two questions for you. What's the worst case of the giggles that you can remember on set, and how did you and the cast compose yourselves to get back on track and finish the scene? I can only imagine the struggles you had with this group. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> I think... Well, you know, as as I as I always say, I think that the there's a there's a school of comedy that kind of looks down on the fact that you break when you act in comedy. Like it's a badge of honor to not break. And there are those people who famously can't be broken. Um, I am one and I'm one of them. And that's why you never and in the gag reels at the end of the year. I'm never in them because I will not break. Wow. I take it as I take it as a as a badge of, of honor. But that said, uh, there's a, an episode which we will get to where we all have food poisoning and we're writhing around on the floor of my office. And Adam Scott is doing like crawling like a worm (laughs) to like, like pick up a phone or something. And I, it just, it, I could not keep it together. I could not keep it That's together. That's great. I did notice that I think you almost never broke. Because it's like, we had a pretty good cast. Our cast didn't break a ton. But some people were, were more guilty than others. Some people broke a lot more. But I don't feel like you broke a lot. I feel like I remember that scene. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like, Sometimes it's just like the physical stuff. I, sometimes I think it's physical stuff or like stuff that's a little blue or something that you yeah. just don't normally hear. Like yeah. a really well-written joke. Like sometimes it's really funny in the cut. It's great for the show, but it's not going to make you break. It's usually the the weird stuff. like the stu- Or you see someone, they're wearing something weird and like they're just having to do something embarrassing. Like that to me like often gets the actors to break. I, like Another example of this that I remember on set was... Uh, also involved Adam, where it's a scene where Joan Calamezzo, it's him and Aziz and, and Joan Calamezzo, Joan Calamezzo, you know, Adam had to, she's excusing herself to go to the bathroom and he's like, are you going to powder your vagina? Like, it's, it was just him saying that, like, it was basically that like she was implying that. That was like the previous line. I'm not selling it correctly, but he, the three of them just could not get through this, like, and it's that thing where it's like, 
okay, okay, no, never mind. You laugh like, this time, this time. It's that ten times, right? It's like it's it, 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 it like it, it's it's really funny, right? It's like see, it, the other thing is it, it is like seasickness. Like yes. like w- once one person gets a case of the giggles, it can be contagious. Yes, and that's fun. But if you um, I I in um encourage you all to go on youtube and there are our i think our our gag reel bloopers are on there and they're yes. pretty funny they're pretty yes. fun to watch and, and you'll find it and, and greg levine uh, uh, this is uh, alerts me to the real line which is joan calamazzo is excusing herself and she says i'm gonna go powder my nose amongst other things and then ben says is she going to go powder her vagina <laughs> which is i mean it's just again it's him saying the truth right which is like but it's just that it's literally that which is like whatever you get the joke but but for whatever reason, I don't know. It just, it just, it just, they, I think you can see outtakes from that scene. So I don't know. I don't know the food poisoning one is in there, but it's again, I, I, I can only imagine like, again, these things, and, and it's like, it's, it's, it's contagious too. It's contagious. Yeah. So and you fun. really get And that. always fun when it happens. Always fun and, until it goes too far. And then it's, then it gets fun again. And then, <laughs> yes, then you got to make your right. day. But usually that's we're right. making our day. So it's like, thank you very much, Jared uh, from Columbus, for sending that town howl in. Please send in all your future questions, email them, send in voicemails, all that stuff. Uh, great episode, Rolo. Yeah, really fun. And we're back next week with um, another one of my favorites. We're not going to talk about it right now. You have to go subscribe and come back and, you know, do your thing to, to see the next episode. That's right. Thanks for listening. Subscribe where you get your podcast, five star review on Apple. Thanks to Schulte and Greg, and goodbye from Pawnee. And we will see you next week. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. And it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work-from-home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more.